folks, and welcome to another episode of In the Area Podcast. Your weekly source for wisdom nuggets. I am your host, Zach Schiller, and today we'll be talking to Lauren Dow, a mental health writer, advocate, and someone who has dealt personally with major depression and an eating disorder. If you enjoy collecting wisdom nuggets on Indie Area Podcasts, please consider subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and any other app that streams podcasts. Enjoy today's episode. Lauren, you've lived with multiple conditions. Can you share a little bit about what your conditions are and what it was like? Um, so in, I think it was like 2007, 2008, I was a teenager, still in high school. I was diagnosed with major depression. Um, and I didn't take it super seriously. And I think more or less just because like I went to a psychiatrist and, you know, my mom really encouraged it and said, I think it'd be good for you to talk to somebody. So I went and I think we talked for a grand total of maybe five to seven minutes. And he handed me a white slip of paper and said, here is your prescription, be on your way. And so I just didn't take it seriously after that. I was like, this guy has no idea who I am and here he is just prescribing me medicine. This is what I assume any type of therapy or care for mental health is. And so that kind of set the preface for me. And then in 2018, I was diagnosed with anorexia and binge eating disorder. Um, And before COVID, they wanted to do a reassessment for my major depression um, because my therapist believes that it could potentially be bipolar, uh, bipolar two, I believe. Um, But because of COVID and losing my job and insurance and things like that, I haven't had the opportunity to be able to I guess, get a proper evaluation. So that piece is still kind of in limbo a little bit. But yeah, it's been quite a journey. (laughs) When did you first notice that something was off? I, in high school, for sure, I noticed something. I, I can't say that I noticed something. I thought that this is just what it is. I thought that this is just what life is. You know, it's, it's sad a lot of the time. And you constantly are thinking about food all the time. And that's just life, you know? I didn't think anything different. And it wasn't until probably when I got back from traveling that I really, truly acknowledged what was happening. It took a lot, but... I think that's when I realized what was actually happening to me and that I needed help. Do you mind if I go into my story a little bit? Please, Yeah. So in 2017, I had made this plan. I I went on a two-week Euro trip with my best friend. She had just graduated nursing school. She was really excited. And she had always wanted to go to Ireland. And I said, let's just do it. Let's, Let's live our dream. And we went and I met this guy named Patty and he was amazing. He was just this, you know, 30 something year old with a motorcycle wearing his leather jacket. And he's just like, I just spend my life riding my motorcycle in different countries. And that's how I live. And I was like, 
mind blown. I need to do that. How can I make this a thing? And so I made it my mission. I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I want to travel. I don't care what it takes. So I sold everything I owned and I was like, let's do this. Then I met my partner at the time and within 24 hours, you know, he said, he was like, I'm, I'm going to travel with you. And I was like, that's a joke. That's hilarious. You know, like, okay. And the next thing I know, he has his passport. He's quitting his job. And he's like, no, I'm not kidding. I'm actually going with you. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is so romantic. Like, this is what life is all about. Um, So we started traveling together and we did Europe and South America and the United States for a full year. And, but in, we got to Rome And I remember my depression was so bad. It was so bad. I was like, I just didn't understand. I was like, why? I'm in this beautiful place, this romantic, beautiful country. Like I'm, my heritage is Italian. It's Sicilian. And so I was excited to be there, but I was so depressed all the time. And it caused a lot of distance between us. It caused a lot of arguments and can only imagine like, the codependency that builds when you're traveling with one other person. And and can you describe when you say like, I felt depressed all the time, what does that feel like? Um, it's definitely different per person and I can only talk about my lived experience. But for me, what that was like was I'd have days where I would just be in bed the whole day. Um, I would, I didn't want to talk to anybody. Um, the sun would be out and I'd be hiding under the covers crying for no other reason than I just needed to cry, you know? Um, I felt really alone. I felt misunderstood. I felt scared because if you're sitting there and you're dealing with all of these emotions and there's no one there to listen to you or to understand or even to just, you know, give you a hug, that's hard. That's hard. And you're just, again, my perception of mental health was this is just how life is. And so I thought that that's just what I was doing. I was just going through the motions of life and that shit had to be really, really hard in order to obtain the really great things. And that sucked. (laughs) So you're in Rome and you're having all these things. Yeah. Um, But as much as he acknowledged it, I think, you know, it, we just, we just kept going. We just kept moving. And we, every time I would get too sad, we would just hop cities and hop countries. And we just kept moving. And all this while I'm thinking, I'm, I'm going after something. I'm chasing something when in reality I was running away from something. So it was in, we had just finished doing the, like, we did like a five-day Patagonia trek, which was amazing. And we were in Bariloche. I don't know if it was the food that I ate, if I didn't clean a dish well enough. Something happened and I got really sick. So for two weeks, I couldn't keep food down to save my life. Like it was awful. We ended up staying with a family friend of his. And I remember they're sitting around the table and everyone's like eating burgers. And I was like, I'm eating a raw potato this is fun. Um, but I, between that and, and hiking all the time and walking around with everything on my back, I lost a ton of weight and I 
because I was losing a lot of weight, people were seeing more muscle, right? So I was posting a few pictures every once in a while and I was getting a lot of feedback from people saying, oh my gosh, you look so great. You're so fit. You're so this. And I was really feeding off of that. I was like, oh my gosh, for some reason, this is making my depressed side feel really, really good. Let's keep doing whatever that's doing to continue getting that validation. And so the journey kept going on, but I just kept getting more depressed. And I finally said, we were in Columbia and I said, I can't do this anymore. Like I can't, I can't, I have to, something's not right. I need to go home even though I didn't really know what home was because I got rid of everything. I had literally what was on my back was everything I owned. So I was like, what is home? Is home where my mom lives? Is home in New Hampshire where my family lives? Is that where, where, where do I go? And excuse me. And so I flew back. He, he stayed for about another week because he wanted to go back to New England afterwards to be with his family. And when I got back, I was just like, I was a mess. Like I I had no idea what I was going to do next. I was like, holy crap. I just blew up my whole life, you know, to do this thing. And then the whole time I was thinking, I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I'm a failure. I'm not, I'm not appreciating this the way that I should. I'm not living life the way that I should. And it wasn't until probably we, we, drove around, literally lived out of our car for about four months or so. And then finally, I again, I said, I need stability. I need to be in a consistent place. So we chose Denver. And within a few months, I mean, it was very apparent that there was something very, very wrong with me. Not to say that it was like a bad thing. It was just that something wasn't right and I needed help. And I wasn't eating, you know, um, I was passing out on the floor on just random, a random Tuesday afternoon, you know, it was bad. Um, And I was getting a lot of these like ticks, these habits where I was, when I'd get nervous, I would dig my nails. I don't know if this is too much, but I'm going to say anyways. So I'd like dig my nails like into my skin to the point of like bleeding. And so one day we were sitting there and he looks over and he sees my leg and he's like, he's like, no, he's like, this isn't okay. He's like, I've been quiet for too long. Like you need to get help. And I was like, okay, I'm going to do that. So I did the search for a therapist and I started going to group therapy, um, and at first I was super resistant. I was like, no, this is, this is not for me. Um, and it, it took a lot of, I mean, there's a lot more I think that happened. I, I could go on for hours with this crazy journey I've been on, but a lot happened. But that I think was the biggest point where I realized it was time to get help. Wow. And you started going to group therapies, individual therapies. Did you find those to be helpful? At first, no. (laughs) Um, But that's just the resistance side. You know, that's just the side that says, no, stay in the familiarity, stay in the dark, stay where you're comfortable, you know. Um, But you have to sit with the uncomfortable in order to 
for me anyways, to, to find your way through recovery, to find your way back into the light. You have to sit with the uncomfortable. Mental health is, is a topic for a lot of people that's very taboo, not comfortable talking to other people about. How did you find the strength to talk about this? And when did you start first openly talking about mental health? It was around the time, it was like right before I had uh, lost my job to COVID in this new apartment in Denver, really excited. Something still wasn't right. And I was nearing my 30th birthday. And I was like, I have lost all my friends. I have lost family members. I have disconnected from everybody from the world. I have a choice, right? Like, I have a choice to either continue down this path which literally almost led me to death. Or I can rewrite the narrative and I can move forward. But what is that going to take me? Like, what is that going to take from me to be able to do? I was reading a lot. I reading a lot of like Brene Brown and just trying to, I don't know, just figure out who I even was. I was so codependent on this other person who treated me like a patient that I I didn't know what music I liked. I didn't know the food I liked, you know, because I just hated it for so long. There was just so much. I didn't know who I was. And one of the big things that I took from a lot of these people that I was reading from was authenticity. And in order to be your authentic self, you need to be vulnerable. And I said, okay, well, what's the most vulnerable thing that I can do? And I was like, oh, Right. Let's talk about what's going on with me right now. So I decided, I said, I'm not going to go into 30 pretending anymore. I don't want to pretend just to appease other people. And so I said, screw it. And I wrote this blog post. I made a video and I posted on my social media. I didn't think it was going to be that big a deal. It was more of just like hit submit and walk away from your computer for three hours and try not to think about it. And then I came back and my phone was blowing up. My phone was like, yeah, it was a lot. <laughs> um, and it was a lot of support. It was a lot of encouragement. Um, but the biggest thing I think I took from that was I had so many people I I knew, I didn't know, people I haven't talked to in years that reached out and said, you know, I'm going through something similar you know, it might not be exactly the same, but like that's an experience that I can relate to and I can understand. And it made me realize there's so many people out there that are feeling the way that I'm feeling. I thought for almost 30 years that I was alone. That sucks. I don't want anyone to feel that way. That was the worst part of my life. That was 30 years of my life feeling like this was normal and you're just supposed to go through that alone. So so yeah, I just, I told my story. And since then I have just been continuing to tell my story and continuing to share my lived experiences. So other people don't necessarily have to feel so alone through the whole process. Wow. And and do you feel like when you heard from these other people that you felt like a burden in a sense was almost lifted? Do you think, what do you think is the value and the power of sharing stories about mental health? Yeah, I, I, it's like a, it's a double-edged sword because I don't necessarily believe that everyone has to tell their story. 
I don't necessarily think that because recovery in the sense of where I'm at for eating disorders is it is a very lonely it's like suffering in silence, right? Like some people have to go through it. It really, you have to go through it alone. And not everyone is meant to vocalize their story. But for me, that was part of my, that was like a missing piece of my recovery for me. Um, the It changed my life so much because once I removed the masks, once I stopped pretending, I saw myself raw for who exactly I was. And I said, okay, I need to relearn how to love this person. And this person felt fake for so long. Now, the power that I have behind it is this power of self-love, this power of, of attracting positive energy and bringing amazing people into my life. I have met so many amazing people since doing this. And again, I'm not like promoting and being like, share your story. This is what you have to do. Like everybody handles their own issues differently. This is just how I handled mine. But man, once I, I just felt this sense of relief of like, I could just live. I didn't have to pretend anymore. I could just live. And I felt like I could breathe. And yeah, like I said, everything has just been moving forward in such a positive direction since then. Wow. Yeah. That is amazing. That is so special. <laughs> and what what is your goals long-term with with talking about mental health? Yeah, I my long-term goals is I want to be an author. Um, I'm working on two books currently at the moment. Um, I won't go too far into them, but... Um, but that's the long-term goal in hopes that I can help to, again, to educate, tell my story and advocate for people who might not have a voice. I just hope that I can do that the best of my ability. And again, just to make people feel like they're not alone. What would be like the first piece of advice you would tell someone who's feeling like, like they're, they're not feeling right? That that's okay. Because I think a lot of the times people feel like they have to be hundred percent all the time on point, like that they have to suffer in that silence. And the truth is, is that you don't like that. It's perfectly okay. Embrace and feel those feelings as much as you can, because that means you're alive. That means you're human. You know, if you weren't feeling those things, I'd say, yeah, there's probably something wrong with you. <laughs> like we're meant to feel mm. we're exposed to so much from the day that we're born. It's like, information, feeling overload, feel them, love them, hate them, whatever, but just feel it and be okay with that. Wow. And, and did you experience any other sort of therapeutic feelings from doing like, I, for me, I felt very, I studied abroad in Spain my freshman year of college and I also felt horrible. I would stay in my room. I was, de I was depressed and for me, I discovered journaling, like 10 minutes of free writing every day just helped me open up and become vulnerable. Were there other strategies or tactics that, that worked for you in, in chipping away at being more vulnerable? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's like a daily practice for me, for sure. Um, and it's funny that you mentioned that because um, one of the things that I was doing in working on my book was I was going into a lot of my old journals. Like I 
I very much hear you on that. I'm a big journaler, as you can probably see on the bookcase. There's a lot. Um, And so I was going back into my old journal entries and trying to like revisit some of these things as I'm talking about experiences and my travels and whatever. And I started pulling these ideas from them. And I was like, oh man, that's a really good idea to revisit. That's a really good idea to revisit for who I am now, you know, because who I was then has a completely different perception of what that situation is to who I am now. So I decided let's create something out of this. So I, I made your wild journal, which is a 30 day series of writing prompts to do exactly that, to, to help yourself be a little bit more vulnerable just by taking that small step with yourself, finding a little bit more introspection, like having a shift in perspective in the world around you. Um, so journaling, I hear you 100%. That is like a big thing for me. Um, another thing has been, and I don't know if this is necessarily tied in to the vulnerability, but I've done a lot of cognitive behavioral therapy, which has been extremely helpful in keeping me more in the present moment. Can you briefly describe what cognitive behavioral therapy is? Um, Again, I'm not an expert on any of these things. These are things that my therapist is teaching me. (laughs) But for me, what it is, is it's using my senses to be able to bring me again into that present moment. There are different forms of it. And again, I think there's probably a better response as to what that is. Um, So for example, one of the things that I do is um, my therapist will have me just take a minute, I breathe, whatever chair I'm sitting on or laying down, whatever. And I close my eyes and I just, I tell myself out loud what I'm feeling. So if I'm sitting on a suede chair, you know, I'm telling you, I'm touching the the, the suede feeling. It's coarse in one direction, smooth and smooth in another. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm petting my dog, my, how my feet feel on the ground. How does my skin feel? Things like this to really just bring me back. And that helps me with my anxiety when I start to get too ahead of myself or I start to go too far into the past. I say, neither of those exist. What exists is right now. And that's how I do it. I get in touch with my physical feelings. Wow. So just getting totally rooted in the present, all the senses, activating the senses. I try. It doesn't always work. (laughs) Meditation is a practice. Oh, man. (laughs) And and you say the road to recovery. Do you feel recovered now? That's a tough one. Um, There's different views on recovery. Um, Eating disorders, they have their own big book, just like Alcoholics Anonymous. And the people who created it believe wholeheartedly that there is, you know, there is an end destination. You can be recovered. Whereas other people have the view that recovery is a lifelong management. And so I don't really know in terms of that. What I know for myself right now is that I am at a place where I have a better relationship with myself I have a better relationship with food. I have a better relationship with exercise. And yeah, I, if if I have a good relationship with those things, I feel like I'm doing pretty damn well for myself. So <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. And and do you view it like do you count the days like if you're having a good day? Do you reflect on that at the end of a day and be like, that was a good day? Absolutely. Yeah. I am a 
big proponent of the gratitude journal. Mm. Big proponent. I actually, so my old coworker, um, he's probably like in his fifties and he was, I don't, we got paired up as like this group thing. And he was like, he was telling me all about his, his dad, his dad wrote a book and I was like, oh my gosh, tell me more about it. And I guess what he did was he read this article and it said, if you write down things that you're grateful for every single day, it's supposed to make you a happier person. You'll be healthier, more productive, all of these things. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Okay, sure. So me being the curious person I am, I was like, I need your father's phone number right now. <laughs> like, I need to, he was like, Lauren, he's like in his 80s. Like, right. are you sure you want to? I was like, absolutely. I need to talk to him right now. So he gives me his phone number. I call him and he's like, who are you? Right, right. <laughs> I was like, this doesn't sound really weird. I know your son. He goes, this is so confusing. But we ended up talking on the phone for like two hours. And oh. he was just a great guy. And he sent me a copy of it. And he literally every day for 365 days, he wrote down something he was grateful for. And he elaborated on it. And that really inspired me to do the same. And that was a huge shift in perspective too. Because like, it ends your day thinking about positive things and it starts your morning being like, that was a really great night. Yeah. And you, you talk about these shifts in perspective. Did this, did this, did these revelations and, and experiences happen suddenly or did they occur gradually over time? A uh, little bit of both. There were certain things that I, it was kind of just like a quick, like, oh my gosh, this is what's going on. And then other times I noticed it, took me years, if not my whole life, to figure this shit out. And then there's other stuff that I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to figure this out until I'm 120. So, you know, it's a little bit wow. of everything. Well, Lauren, where can people, where can people find your work that you, where can they locate the, your blogs and, and you talking about mental health? Yeah. Uh, so my website is laurendow.com or you can follow me on Instagram at laurendowwrites. Well, Lauren, thank you so much for sharing your experiences and your journey and all the lessons that you learned. They are so powerful and so meaningful and, and very relatable to me as well. And I am so grateful that you are able to come onto this podcast and share your wisdom with our listeners. Thank you so much for having me. This has been so great. <laughs> well, have a wonderful night, Lauren. Thank you so much. Yeah, you too. Beautiful listener. Thank you so much for making it all the way through the podcast. Have a wonderful day.